With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to That's Good Sports. I am Brandon. How the hell is everyone doing on the lamest April Fool's Day in human history, Perna? The only thing less amusing than an April Fool's Day prank, Von Miller, is learning that April Fool's became a thing because France switched from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar in 1582. The only way that's interesting is if you can imagine the Julian calendar as just a bunch of dudes named Julian posing shirtless for yearly calendars. And then in 1582, they switched to guys named Greg. Speaking of guys with names, the Bengals released Dre Kirkpatrick, Chris Godwin has submitted to Tom Brady, OJ Simpson reviews the Tiger King, Adam Schefter is sick of the NFL's bull crap, and the college quarterback draft order may be shaking up. And today, I have a great episode for you. April Fools, it's going to just be a lame Julian-type episode. Not a Greg-level episode today. That's good sports. This is your daily NFL podcast of That's Good Sports. It's football that's good. Now you know what they say, if it bleeds, it leads. Tonight's leading story, expert murderer O.J. Simpson confirms he believes Carol Baskins fed her husband to tigers. And not that you even need context because those sentences together are amazing, but Baskins is from the hit Netflix docuseries Tiger King. And if you haven't seen it, all you really need to know is she runs a big cat reserve in Florida and probably murdered her husband and then fed him to tigers. That idea is more real now after seeing OJ Simpson provide his review of the show on Twitter. Tiger King. Well, yesterday I watched this show. And oh my God, is America in this bad a shape? White people, what's with you and wild animals? Leave them animals alone. He is right. White people be crazy. One thing I will say, there's not a shred of doubt in my mind that that lady's husband is uh, Tiger Shushimi right now. I'm just saying. <laughs> Take care and I hope you find something better to watch. Takes one. To no one? Hey, Twitter world, yours truly. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's Carol at Big Cat Rescue. Hey, Twitter world, yours truly. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Hey, Twitter world, yours truly. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Now, OJ is so good at getting away with murder, he knows you wear gloves even when you're just talking about it. I think someone who's really good at editing should take the 10-part OJ series and change every name and every face, but keep all of the events exactly the same, and then show that to OJ Simpson and see what he thinks happened. And I know ESPN is looking for new content ideas. The NFL has approved the extra wildcard games, that officially happened this week, even though we all thought it had already occurred. The NFL has a problem though, in terms of captivating younger viewers. Its average age of viewers during live games is 
50. So what is the NFL doing to get younger fans to pay attention? Well, they're going to simulcast their extra wildcard game on Nickelodeon. Uh, I was just looking for the sports channel, Gary. Now, the NFL thinks fucking up a kid's cartoon schedule is going to convince them to start watching football games. Hey, cool kids, we interrupt your normally scheduled SpongeBob on Nickelodeon to talk about nickel defenses instead. Here's an idea, NFL. How about you make going to an NFL game affordable for the average American family? Creating a bonding experience around the game is how you win over new viewers. I started watching football games intently because my mom and dad and grandpa were all too drunk to pay attention to me. Not because I sat down to watch Ninja Turtles or Darkwing Duck and was force-fed a playoff game that I had no f***ing interest in. Now, the Cincinnati Bengals have released corner Drake Kirkpatrick because they're deploying the Vikings secondary this season instead. Kirkpatrick is a decent corner, but... I had to use this opportunity to show you his famous 101-yard interception that did not result in a touchdown. I agree, there's very little special about picking off Brock Osweiler, but I show this to remind everyone that that end zone in Mile High Stadium is pick six cursed. That is the exact same spot Champ Bailey's 99-yard interception of Tom Brady in the playoffs was knocked out of bounds by Ben Watson. Now, Kirkpatrick is 30 years old and would be a nice addition to an established secondary that just needs one final piece. Buccaneers receiver Chris Godwin has given up his number 12 to Tom Brady and has taken the number 14 for himself. The worst part is he didn't even charge Tom Brady for the number swap. He got nothing. It is a smart move, though, by Godwin to help convince Brady to give him more targets than Mike Evans, though. If Mike Evans wants extra balls, he's going to have to pay for a lifetime membership to the TB12 method and give Tom Brady his blood every week like Julian Edelman did. Now, Godwin did post this picture of what a terrible apocalyptic future might look like. Oh, fuck me. And stated that he gave up the number for Brady due to respect. Basically the lamest reason you can give anything away for free. Uh, you need to pay for jersey numbers in this league. It is its own economy. The old Giants punter Jeff Fiegels gave up his number twice to Eli Manning and to Plexico Burris and got a family vacation in an outdoor kitchen out of it. Chris Godwin is the better player at this point in time. I think he should be gifted something that can't be measured, like 12 days of Christmas. Who gets 12 days of Christmas? At best, maybe kids of divorced parents get two days of Christmas. So if Godwin did get 12 gifts from Tom Brady every December, that seems fair. Now that April has begun, it is the appropriate time for me to start talking about the NFL draft. Joe Burrow is the presumed number one overall draft pick, and Tua Tagovailoa has been the presumed number two QB until now. A couple things happened this week in the NFL news cycle that have brought attention to the quarterback draft order. One report has stated that the Miami Dolphins are interested in trading with the Bengals to obtain the first overall pick, and the other reports are that the Dolphins do not love Tua. Both of those things may be smoke screens, but I think there could be substance here. I'm not so sure 
The Dolphins are all in on Tua the way that people think. I do not think the Bengals would be dumb enough to pass on drafting Joe Burrow, but I do believe the Dolphins, with three first-round draft picks, would inquire about what getting that number one pick would cost. If they did inquire, you could determine that they may not be sold on the idea of drafting Tua at five. The buzz right now is that teams who would be in the market for a quarterback have major concerns about Tua's injury history. That is not new news. What is a bit surprising is some teams now think Justin Herbert might be a better prospect because of Tua's durability issues. The crazy thing is the Dolphins do have the firepower to make that move happen. They have three first-rounders and two second-rounders this year, and because of Bill O'Brien's incompetence, they have the Texans' first and second-round picks in 2021. That is five first-round picks and four second-round picks to play with over the next two drafts. The question is, would Zach Taylor prefer to attack Avaya to run his offense over Joe Burrow? If I'm a head coach, I want the injured player, so I can always use his help as an excuse as to why I am not winning yet. 2-14, and 14, again? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. just wait until Tua gets healthy. We'll get better. 1-15 the next year? Whoa, 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 when Tua recovers from those baseball bat to the knee wounds, this team is going to start winning. You can't fire me yet. And if anyone will tolerate that, it's the Bengals. You can look back to the RG3 trade as well to see that this could happen. The Redskin Potatoes moved from 6 to 2 by swapping first round spots with the Rams and then giving the Rams their second round pick that year, which was 2012, their 2013 first rounder and their 2014 first rounder. They gave up two first round picks and a second round pick with a swap of first rounders. The Dolphins pick at five, so they would move up the same amount of spots, and they could give the Bengals an additional first rounder this year. That spot is at 18 to be exact, and they could give the Dolphins a second rounder this year or next year, and a first rounder next year, and Miami would still have two first round picks in this draft and a first rounder in the next draft. They could also offer to euthanize any bangle Cincinnati doesn't want as part of the Joe Exotic Burrow deal. The point is the Dolphins could easily make that move happen if the Bengals show any interest. Now the top five quarterbacks projected to go in the draft are Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, and Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, and Jalen Hurts all in play for that fifth spot somewhere. The Patriots released Cody Kessler today, forcing many to say, when the fuck did they sign Cody Kessler? They too are expected to draft a quarterback, which could make the guy who falls to them the luckiest QB in the draft. Now the Pats don't have the draft ammo to trade up, but Bill Belichick has something better. Blackmail on every GM in the draft. We know the only place Belichick won't use blackmail to get what he wants is at the wide receiver position. So all bets are off the table, are on the table. I don't know how that saying works. And all of that quarterback draft talk leads me to one angry Adam Schefter. The draft is happening only through the sheer force and determination and lack of foresight from Phil Franklin. I mean, they are determined to put this on while there is carnage in the streets. Shefty is right. It seems odd that the NFL is the only sports league continuing like it's business as usual and of course threatening its dissenters, as I have talked about. I mean, Wimbledon 
was canceled today, and tennis players stand like 30 fucking feet away from each other. It was the one sport invented on the philosophy of social distancing. Now, I have to admit, I am torn about the NFL draft. I need it for my livelihood. I also want to see it be somewhat of a disaster for entertainment purposes. It is very unfair to all of the college players who worked so hard for this opportunity, but I selfishly want to see every technical disaster occur during an all-digital draft. For me, that would provide endless fodder. But I also get what Adam Schefter is saying. Uh, New York City is in shambles right now. Every day it's getting worse. And New York has around 2,000 deaths currently from the virus. And when Schefter says lack of foresight, he's talking about what that death toll will look like in three weeks. The NFL and ESPN are both headquartered in New York City. So how many of their employees will be directly affected by coronavirus by draft time? How many draft prospects will be affected by this? How difficult will it be for teams to do the draft in this manner? The NFL doesn't have an answer for those questions because nobody does. How can the NFL pretend like it's business as usual until we know for sure if Andrew Cuomo has pierced his nipples? That's what we want to know. And like piercing both of your nipples, I see both sides here. And the safe take is to say we just don't fucking know what the right thing to do is. I have to believe, though, that we will have this thing under control by the fall. I know there's a possibility that we won't. I am prepared for that, but having teams prepare for the season as normal so they can be ready to go in September isn't necessarily a bad thing. The draft is not an exact science, which means the NFL can ignore science, just like the president. The bad teams will fuck this up, the good teams will make the best of it, the great teams will use this to their advantage, and the Patriots will cheat. Plus, every team that does mess up, Bengals, you have the ultimate excuse to deflect blame. How could we focus on drafting correctly while the Cuomo nipple-piercing mystery was weighing so heavily on our hearts? That's what Adam Schefter is trying to say. But seriously, I think what the NFL needs to do is be prepared to move the draft if things continue to get worse, as it looks like they will by the end of April. But also be prepared to go on with the draft if things get better, because we are, we are all doing our part in participating in social distancing and self-isolation and flattening the fucking curve. Thanks for watching another episode of That's Good Sports. Please subscribe here on YouTube. I'm on the tubes, abuse, subscribe, do it, do it, do it. Please, please, please. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is your daily NFL podcast of That's Good Sports. It's football that's good.